Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church this morning. Let's begin by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that no matter who we have been and what we have done, you have told us that at the cross it is finished and that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Father, that when he died on the cross, he died to sin itself. And when he was raised from the dead, that was a sign of who he was, that who he is, God in the flesh, and the fact that anyone who believes in him has eternal life and is declared righteous by you at the moment that someone believes. We thank you also, Father, for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, who is our mentor and teacher, and for your word, which is alive and powerful. We thank you, Father, that you've gathered us together this morning once again, and that we are here to hear your word, and we are here to let the word of God change us, and to let it make a difference in our daily lives. So we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Let's now stand and we'll have our congregation song this morning. Welcome again this morning, everybody. Uh, just one announcement today, and you've heard it before, but I encourage you to invite new people to church. That's the way in which the body of Christ grows, by people hearing the gospel, believing it, and then becoming a member of a congregation and coming here as we do to hear God's word and hear it together. And that is how we grow together. And we want other people to be listening to the good news, to be built up by the word of God. So... Please invite somebody to our church. And um, yeah. All right, let's begin this morning. The title of today's message is This is Eternal Life Dash. We'll see what that's all about. This is Eternal Life Dash. Well, that title, of course, has a question underneath it. And it's a simple question. And it's a profound question. And it's very simply what is eternal life? What is eternal life? We know that when we believe in Christ, simply believe in him, we have eternal life. And we also know that this is a gift from God. But the question is, what is it? And that's what Jesus is going to address in our passage this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. What is eternal life? This is a question of all the ages. It gets at the heart of what it means to be human, of knowing we will die and trying to forestall death, and then wondering what happens when we die. And today, we'll learn the answer to this question. What is eternal life? And the fact is that even though we'll hear it, the answer today, we'll be spending our entire lives as Christians coming to understand the answer. We'll hear it, and then the, the rest of our lives, we will continue to grow in our understanding of the answer to that question. But here's the exciting thing. Today, we are going to learn the answer to this question from the ultimate authority on these matters. We're going to learn it from the one and only person who is qualified to tell us the answer to what is eternal life. There's only one person who's qualified to tell us. Sure, there are a lot of people that will offer their viewpoint on this question. Sure, that you may have had your own conception of the answer to this question. You may think you know the answer to this question, and maybe you do. But the only way you'll know the real answer is in God's word and in what's spoken this morning by the only authority that matters. And, of course, that authority is Jesus Christ, God's son, 
because he's the one who will tell us. And thank God it's coming right from him. So there's no debate, no discussion. He's going to be really straightforward about the answer. And then he's going to leave that with us. And then we're to work it out. We're to work out the answer. What is eternal life? When we understand what it is, when we, when we learn what it is from the scriptures, that's just the beginning. Okay? Because the fact of the matter is, is that this is a gift, if I could put it this way, that keeps on giving as we live out our days. And we're going to see that this morning. And again, his answer, Jesus Christ's answer, is the definitive answer. It's the last word. You know, you may have, you may have philosophers that want to answer this question. But if they don't answer it the way Jesus Christ answers it, they're wrong. He's the one. He's the only true answer is the one that he gives us. And after all, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? After all, Jesus has the words of eternal life. This is what Peter tells us. Please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, starting in verse 66. John, chapter 6, verse 66. What is eternal life? Is it the fountain of youth? Is it something that we can only look forward to after we die? What is it? What is eternal life? Well, if we're going to know, we have to listen to the one who actually is the only one who can tell us. Because he's the only one who has the words of eternal life. Look at John chapter 6, verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. And we're not walking with him anymore. This is when Jesus said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my life, my, my blood, you have no life in you. And that was too much, remember, for a lot of the people that were listening to him. They were following him to that point. But when he said that, that was it. And then Jesus turned to the 12. And this is, again, in his humanity, this was a genuine question. Okay? You do not want to go away also, do you? In other words, have you reached the limit of walking with me? Is there what you just heard? Is that something you won't accept from me? And then Simon Peter, the leader of the twelve, answered him. And notice his answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? If we don't get the answer to eternal life from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, where else can we go? Where else can we go to have the, the authority? Where else can we go to have the one who actually demonstrates who God is? And Simon, P, Simon Peter recognized this. And he answered, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, and only you, notice, have words of eternal life. In other words, the very words that he spoke were and are eternal life. I want you to think about that for a minute. There's eternal life in words when the words are spoken by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he has them. And so Peter, understanding this, realized there's nobody else. There's nobody else that I can go to to have the ultimate questions answered. We have believed, verse 69, and have come to know. Notice that expression, by the way. We have believed and what? Come to know. Can you see how that's a process? That is a, that is a, a, a day-by-day Month by month, that's Peter having followed him for a while now, having seen a few of his miracles, and having listened to his words, he realized that while he heard it and believed it, then after that, there was coming to know it. It's kind of like a person that you meet, and you're very, you're very impressed. You want to have a friendship with that person. And so you start with that desire. 
But then you learn to know the person. You come to know them, and that happens by you know, a daily situation with them. It happens by having shared experiences. It happens by going through really difficult times together. You really get to know them. And that's, that's what Peter had done. He had seen Jesus Christ. He had seen his thinking. He had seen his heart. He, he had seen him desiring to feed 5,000 people. And why? Because they were hungry. And he knew that they weren't just hungry for food, but also for the truth. And Peter realized that Jesus Christ has the truth. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's unique. That's in the, there's no other human being that can possibly have that title, that reality. The Holy One of God. And Peter had come to know it. So what's the point? Well, again, the point is that Jesus is the only one qualified to define eternal life. As a matter of fact, he is eternal life. And he said he said that also in the Gospels before this point. Please go to the letter of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 11. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 11. I'm making the case now that there's only one authority. If, if, if people wonder what happens after death, that's the way a lot of people think about eternal life. If, if we wonder what does it mean to be really alive, what does it mean? Is it, is it to have lots of money? Well, Solomon found out that that's, there's not really any life in that, that that's vanity apart from a relationship with God, right? Solomon, who had... Anything he wanted, realized that that stuff was was deadly apart from a relationship with the Lord. Job, who lost everything. So you have on the one hand Solomon, who got everything. But what profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? Job, on the other hand, lost everything. And he came to understand that that those things that he lost, like Paul are inconsequential compared to knowing God, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 11. And the testimony is this, that God, and notice this, has given us eternal life. In other words, he's already given it to us. This is a fact. It's already occurred. The Son, the God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. In other words, this is a gift. This is a life. And we've been given it, and we've been told where it is, and it's in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. Verse 12, he who has the Son has the life. Notice, now. I want to say that simple one word, now, again and again this morning, because that's the message this morning. The message this morning is, you have eternal life now, so what are you going to do with it? You have eternal life now. What difference should that be making in our lives? We have eternal life, but do we really know what it is? Do we really understand that, for example, we'll see this, that you can grow in it now in this life? And if so, do you know how? And if you don't, that's quite all right, because that's what we're here to learn and to step into. Remember, I used that imagery of of a secret garden, right? It's a garden. It's on your property. Okay? But nobody ever told you it was there. It was All you knew was just walls and something behind it. And unfortunately, that's as close as a lot of Christians get to understanding what eternal life is. 
I've heard it. I know it's somewhere out there, but I don't have the first idea what it is. Never mind living it, right? Well, there's a key to getting into the secret garden, and the key is faith in God's word. And that's something that once you open that key, then you're in that garden, and that garden as an image now is eternal life, and you can have it in time. You can step into it. You can have the sweet aroma of knowing Jesus Christ. That's all there for you. All you got to do is open the door and step into it. Again, he who has the Son has the life. If you're a believer in Christ, you have the Son in the most intimate way. Why? Because as Christians and members of the body of Christ, he's in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we're in him. We are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. And guess what? That's who we are. Now, a new creation has a new life, doesn't it? And that new life is not physical life. That new life is the life that is a gift from Jesus Christ to us. And he's saying, live in that life. I am the life. Live that way. You have me. You have the life. And then at the end, he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. You see... We're going to see this morning in just a minute that the definition of eternal life has to do with knowing and coming to know him. And that's the problem with people who are unbelievers. They have absolutely no connection with that life. Therefore, they have no connection with true life. As a matter of fact, if you look at the lives of unbelievers and you understand what's going on in their souls, you realize that they have the opposite of eternal life. If eternal life is joy, and it is, their lives are the opposite of that. If eternal life is knowing the truth, they don't know the truth. If eternal life is a hope for the future, and it is, they really don't have any ultimate hope. They have hopes in these things that won't last. Only those who know Jesus Christ and have Jesus Christ have the one and only life that matters. He, as after all, is the way, is the truth, is the life. He, notice, think about that. He is the life, the one and only life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in Him was life. In Him is life. In Him would always be life. He is the way. Okay, by the way, that's salvation. The truth, which, by the way, is how we access the gift we already have, and, of course, the life. Not only that, but he told Martha, right, when she was grieving the death of her, of her brother, he said, I am, I am. My essence is the resurrection. And you see, she, Martha was where a lot of us are at when, it, when we think about death and life. She thought that her brother was in the grave and really, now he's going to stay there, whatever that was. And then someday, there's going to be a resurrection. And that's all true, of course. The only part that's missing is the fact that Jesus is the resurrection. It's not just a future event. It's a person. And if you have that person, you have the life. And it's a different quality of life from anything that you've known before you become a believer in Jesus Christ. A different thing entirely. That's what it means to be a new creation. That's what it means to be born again. To be given a new kind of life. A life that's called eternal life. But it's a life we can live in now. Not only is he the resurrection and the life. 
but he was and is and always will be life itself, the real life, the real life. I mean, in Colossians chapter 3, it tells us that we've died. Now, we've died. Now, I look around this morning. I'm talking to you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've died. Hmm. Right? But am I, am I talking to corpses this morning? I mean, you may be a little tired. But no, you're not a corpse. You're alive. Well, you're alive what? Physically. And yet, we've died. Right? Now, you can, you can think that there's just like a contradiction or some kind of the way that like a Buddhist would say, you know, the, this and the opposite and they all come together. That's not it at all. You see, we've died to the fallen life of Adam. Gone. Crucified with Christ. See, we used to be a kind of man. We used to have a kind of life. And that kind of life was what, what the Bible other places call soul life. It's, a, it's, it's the life of our soul. It's the life of interacting with this world. Of, yes, of breathing, but not really living. Like Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have an abundant life. And that's what's missing before we believe in Jesus Christ. So it's a different quality of life. He is that life. He was that life. And he always will be. You have died. And by the way, you know what that means? It means you've died to the elementary things of this world, right? Paul would say, I'm crucified to the world. It has nothing else for me. I'm cut off from, you know, any, getting anything real from the world, getting any joy from the world, getting any peace from the world, getting any hope from the world, getting any so-called blessings that the world has to offer. And the world is crucified to me. I've died to the world and the world has died to me. The world has no use for us either. Remember we saw in in John chapter 16 that the world hates you, right? The world has no use for a Christian. That that may explain some things. You know, we get upset, and I understand why, when we get rejected, right? When, for example, this culture wants to push away anything that has to do with being a Christian. It has a caricature of what it means. It thinks a Christian is somebody who's judgmental, right? But there's something built in to us that is the opposite of the world. Look, the world is anti-God. The world is everything that Satan is trying to do to blot God out of the human race and of this, of this earth and everything. That's the world. So it's sort of, if I could talk about it, it's negative God. You see, but as Christians, we have what? Positive God. Those two, you know, those are diametrically opposed. It's like taking two, two of the same ends of a battery together. And so, so, that, so we have a life that the world can never understand. It's in Christ. Always was and always will be. We've died. But here's the thing. If you, that scripture, I think we're going to go to it. We've died. That's what Colossians says. Died to, not only to the, to, to the world, but also to our own flesh, our own sinfulness. We've died to it. You know, and, it's a, and Paul asks a great question about that. He says, how are we who are dead to sin still living in it? And that's a great question, too. But it's because we don't understand what it means that we've died to sin. And it means that we've died to an old kind of humanity. Adam, the fallen man, we've died to that. We've been, that's been pushed aside, put away, 
the old man. Put it away. Put it aside. Why? Because there's no life in that for you now. We've died, and yet we live, right? Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ. And that's, that's what Colossians says. It says, you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that physical life that's hidden with God, with Christ in God? Does that mean that we get to visit heaven every once in a while in these bodies and then come back? Well, Paul did, but that's not what he's talking about. No, it's, it's the, the life that really matters now is hidden like a secret garden. Where is it? It's hidden with Christ in God. Okay? That's another quality of life, and we have it. So since Jesus is the life, and Jesus is the resurrection, and life itself is in him, I submit to you this morning that if, the, if you want to know the answer to what life is, what eternal life is, he ought to know. He ought to know, and only he. After all, it's his life. It's his life that he is giving us. Does he just have physical life this morning? No. Well, he's up there in heaven. He has a resurrection body, right? So in his humanity now, right? And he, ha- he has returned to the glory that he had with the Father before this world began. And, and he has a new um, understanding of what, of what God's glory is on the basis of having been here and died and risen from the dead. And so he has that life and he gives that life to us. Okay. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 1. John 17, verse 1. So, so far, we, we, I've been making the case that if we want to know what eternal life is, we've got to go to Jesus. But what is it? We get the answer in John 17. Isn't this exciting? Isn't this a reason to get up in the morning? I wonder how many people this morning long for a life that they don't have and they don't know why. They can't have it. Nothing is working out the way they're supposed to do. By the way, that's, that is the definition of life without Christ. That is the definition of the fallen life. We can never quite get what it is that we think we've been designed to get. That's, that's that vanity. Okay, well, we have the answer to that. And here, here's, here's the answer to it. Look at John 17, 1. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he starts praying and he says, Father, the hour has come. And we know that that's the hour that he's going to die. That's the hour that he, the reason he has come into this world is to die. And that hour has come. And, the, and then right after that, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. There it is. Notice it's a gift. Notice that it's tied into the glory of God. There's something, in other words, about Jesus Christ giving us eternal life that is, gives tremendous glory to God. Think about that. Think about that. Every time a fallen sinner believes in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ then gives that fallen sinner a moment ago dead in his trespasses and sins his very life. And that glorifies God to the max. You want to know why? What, how is it that Jesus can give that person eternal life? Because he died on our behalf. Because he dealt with 
everything that would have prevented God from allowing Jesus to give us eternal life, namely our fallenness, our sins, the fact that we have sin in the body. All of those things have been canceled out. And therefore, he says, now here, give that gift to whoever believes in you. And what is it? Verse 3. This is Jesus now, and he's saying this is eternal life. This is the answer to the ages, to the question, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What happens after I die? Why can't I, why aren't things working out? There's something missing. This is eternal life. But notice the answer to this. This is eternal life that they, and that in context, that's the disciples here, first of all, but us coming on over the, you know, over the generations, the disciples spreading the gospel, and now that's us also. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice, this is eternal life. What is it? It's knowing Jesus, like we sang this morning. It's knowing God the Father. Let that sink in for a minute. In other words, there, there, there's something tied up with our coming to know him that actually is eternal life. That when we learn things about him, when we get to know him, you know, we understand, we understand and know him, as Jeremiah says, who he is, that he's a God of mercy. And we've, and we've experienced that mercy in our lives. We thought we were dead because of something that we did. And then we received the mercy of God and we have life springing out. Jesus Christ said when he gives us the spirit, that will be a fountain of, of water, of life, going up to that eternal life. So, when, so that's eternal life to know him. And that's exciting. Why? Because there's an infinite number of things to know about God and about Jesus Christ. Things you can only know, by the way, through Jesus Christ. I am the way. And, and this knowledge, we'll see this next week, this word, this knowing, if you look at that they may know. Okay, that, I'll, I'll give you a hint. That's, that means intimacy. That doesn't mean just facts, right? I know one plus one is two. That's nice. I know that, I know that Jesus Christ was a person in history. Okay, great. But this kind of knowing is an intimate, personal knowledge, a relationship a knowing that you come to that you come to build on. And again, that's something that's going to take us the rest of our lives to understand that. And but it's exciting. See, it's not it's not like like it's not like up in heaven where you have to go in heaven and get it. It's not like you have to go to some mountaintop and be there and and, and not eat or whatever it is people think to go there. No, he says it's in you. You have access to it. All the time, that they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Want to know why Jesus Christ is so important? Well, he's important for a million reasons, but here we know that he's actually the flashing forth of God. So not only do we get to know God, but we get to know Jesus Christ, and that's the way to know God. You know, he he just got finished saying. Have, have I been with you so long and you still have not come to know me? He said that to the disciples. He who knows me knows the Father. So everything we want to understand about God 
is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's built right in. He's the fullness of deity in human flesh. And we can relate to human. See, this is the thing. We can relate to a person, a human being, in a way that it's really impossible to relate to God in that sense, relate to. Okay, certainly we have fellowship with him. But what brings us to a better understanding is seeing God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we have the ability to do that. And, it's, and the amazing thing is, is that we, we as Christians and the scriptures that we've been given in the epistles, actually, Paul writes that you have access to the mind of Jesus Christ. And guess what that is? The mind of Jesus Christ is eternal life. It is eternal life. That they may know you, God the Father, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Challenge anyone this morning or anyone who will hear this message or anyone that you'll tell about it. I challenge anyone to come up with a better definition of eternal life than this. You can't. Because this is the one who is eternal life who's telling you. After all, not only that, but God the Father gave Jesus the authority to give eternal life. So we ought to know what it is. And as we've seen, not only that, but God's glory is bound up. God's glory, the manifestation of who he is. The glory that Moses wasn't allowed to look at. And, and, and he asked afterwards, and the Lord said, I'll pass by you, but here's my glory, right? I will have mercy to whom I will have mercy. And you see, as we live and as we fail and as we recognize that we're totally dependent on the mercy of God, totally dependent on the grace of God. What happens is, is that that knowledge we can then step into. We can say, I'm going to now change how I'm looking at my failures because I know that God is merciful and he's forgiven me of those things. And that gives us new life. See it? We get in, t- we get in contact with, with that life that we've been given. God's glory, who he is, that he's merciful, that he's loving, that he's sovereign. And again, you know, we can, we can say we know he's sovereign. But what does that mean? How do we live in that? How do we live? Let's think about that for a minute. How will we live in the sovereignty of God? You know, one big way is through our prayer life. Through our prayer life. We're in a situation where we have no idea what's going to happen. We're in a situation where we, we have no solution to something. We have a situation where it's out of our control. It's out of control. It's then where we then realize, but wait a minute. I have a personal relationship with the one true God. And I know that that one true God who loves me, and boy, today I need him to love me today. I need him to basically take over. I I say, listen, Lord, if it's up to me, I'm going to blow it. If it's up to me, it's over. I mean, that, and by the way, we should come to that point in our lives, right? That's part of dying to the world, understanding that you have died. If it's up to me, it's over, right? Have no confidence in my flesh. Wait a minute. Here I am. If I'm just this guy who's, who's like navigating through my life and then anything about me is not going to help, where are you? There's only one place you can go, to a God that's sovereign. And you say to yourself, 
he has got this all under control. And, oh, I've come to know how much he loves me. I've come to know that when he makes a promise, it's going to happen. I've come to understand that through seeing him at work in the Old Testament, watching how he told and he promised Moses things and they came to pass. Amazing things. So he's got all power. You know, we have access to that power. When we live in that power, we come to know him better. God's glory is bound up, part and parcel. And in a sense, you can say that they're interrelated in a way that you can't separate them. God's glory and God's, give, God's giving eternal life. Jesus giving eternal life to those whom God gave him. Let me put this another way. God is glorified. Each time that Jesus gives a fallen sinner who believes in him eternal life, God is glorified. What's the glory of God? That they may have mercy to whom I may have mercy. That they may come to know me. Don't boast in your riches or your might, but boast that you know and understand the living God. That he is just and merciful. And those things are the demonstration. How does he demonstrate his love for you? How did he demonstrate his love for you? Well, first and foremost, and nothing will ever compare to the fact that he had his only son die for us when we were his enemies. We had absolutely nothing good about us at all. Jesus died. Jesus came to die. And we know that since, he, since we get that, if nothing else... And by the way, that's, the, that's at the very beginning, right? We hear the gospel, and that's what we believe for eternal life. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He died on the cross. Anybody hear this before? Has anybody ever heard what I'm about to say? That he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. You believe that, and you what? Have eternal life. So, that is, and that's glorious to God. It's glorious to God. But now I want you to notice something. We want to know what eternal life is. Well, here's the problem. We may very well have our own ideas already. We've already made up our mind about what eternal life is. And every time we hear that, we only think about what's going to happen in the future. And that's all we think about. We may think that eternal life is something we have to earn. We we may think that eternal life... You know, and we look back at the Gospels and Jesus Christ says, for example, that, yes, you kept everything in the Lord, so you think, but how now sell everything you have and follow me. That's eternal life. We might say to ourselves, man, I've never done that. When in reality, all he's saying is eternal life is coming to know me. And that's something we can do. But we have our own ideas about eternal life, and a lot of them are just obviously, if they're not the idea that Jesus gives us, they're wrong. We may think that it means living forever. By the way, I got news for you. Rocks live forever. So eternal life is more than that. By the way, unbelievers exist for, will exist forever. They'll, they'll exist with no quality life, though. You see, eternal life is not simply living forever, existing forever. You may think of it as an awesome fountain of youth, but the best that that fountain of youth, which doesn't exist, could possibly give you is more of this soul life, longer period of it. 
but here on earth as fallen sinners. Do you think God wants to give eternal life so that we can remain sinners forever? No. It's something else. It's another life entirely. And Jesus tells us this this morning. And you know what? He says it simply, directly, logically, with precision. What is eternal life? That they may come to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. In other words, this isn't, if you want to think about this, the answer to that, answer to that question is an equation. Eternal life equals. This is one way to think about it. I'm going to show you why this is helpful in a minute. Okay? Eternal life equals. It equals. It's one and the same as that they may come to know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's it. That's everything you need to understand to know about eternal life is that it's coming to know God and coming to know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And now, the, the, the thing is, now that you know you have that, you have access to this, what, knowledge of God, knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, we, we are, it's what our calling is now is to get to know him, get to know Jesus Christ. You, as a believer, you've already learned some things about him. You've already learned some things about God. You know that God's forgiving because Jesus is. You know that God is all-powerful because he raised Jesus from the dead. When an unbeliever believes that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that means power, all right? So you know some things, but there's so much more to learn, that they may come to know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In other words, eternal life equals people who are believers coming to know, getting to know the one true God, getting to know all about him, getting to know how he thinks, getting to know how he, how he does things, getting to know his heart, the things that he loved, the things that please him, getting to know him as you would get to know a person. It's the same thing. That is, and that is eternal life. Eternal life, after all, when we think about it, if all we think about is I'm going to be up there in heaven forever, you know, you could, you could say, well, so what? So what? Well, because you ha- unless there's a better quality of life that reaches the ultimate, right? The picture of you being up there is kind of bland. That's why a lot of that's why unbelievers say, "I don't want to be in heaven." A bunch of people with harps and running around. I don't. I don't care about that. You know, I like my Corvette. I like my steak. I like my football. Right? Why? Because they have absolutely no understanding of what it is eternal life. Eternal life is just a relationship with God that grows and deepens and strengthens. And that's going to be happening for the rest of our life if, remember the garden, we use the key to get in there and experience more of it. Right? See this thing growing in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now we're talking. Eternal life is a permanent relationship that can grow. And that ought to grow. And Jesus makes it real simple. Am I repeating myself this morning at all? Anybody? Anybody? I'm just trying to tell you all kind of ways, all right? Because, again, I say this so often. It's going to be crystal clear, hopefully, now. But unless I give you something simple to walk away with, you're going to, you're going to forget or you're going to be in a, in a situation where, you know what? 
I'm in a big jam right now, and I need to have access to eternal life. I just need it. And how do I get there? Knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ. All right. Now, time for a little mathematics this morning. Everybody ready for that? I know it's exciting, right? Because we have an equation here, don't we? Eternal life equals coming to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. God sent Jesus Christ into the world so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's why he came. That's why he died. But consider our, our equation now. Eternal life equals, equals getting to know God and the true God and Jesus Christ whom this true God has sent. Now, it may have been a long time since you did any algebra, right? Maybe you're talking all the way back to high school, right? But hopefully there's one thing you remember, if nothing else, about equations, okay? A equals B. What does that tell you about A? What does that tell you about B? Well, whenever one thing equals another thing, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? If it's it, it, one, one thing, either side or the equal side is the same. Whatever is true about one is true about the other. If 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 4 is a positive number, guess what 2 plus 2 is? A positive number. Whatever, if, 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 I, if I multiply 2 plus 2 by 10, what do I get? 40. If I multiply 4 times 10, what do I get? 40. Whatever is true about one is also true about the other on either side of the equal sign. Now, why am I talking about mathematics this morning? Why? Because when we see the eternal life and knowing God and Jesus Christ that way, it opens up all kinds of things. Why? Because now I can go to the right side and say, whatever is true about knowing God is true about eternal life. I can go this way. Whatever is true about eternal life is also true about knowing God and Jesus Christ. Now, now think with me a little bit here. All right? I know I'm challenging you, but if, is, do believers, by definition, know the one true God? Or are they know nothing about the one true God? Believers. They know a little bit. They know something, right? Okay. So that's true. I mean, they know he exists, right? You can't become a believer in Christ if you don't think God exists. They know that he's holy and you're not. That's the whole reason you need a Savior. And they know that he sent Jesus Christ for us to be our Savior. So yeah, by definition almost, believers know something about the one true God. Okay, how about Jesus Christ? Do believers know Jesus Christ? Absolutely, you have to, right? He's our Savior, right? When we were dead, God made us alive because of what Jesus did, right? As a matter of fact, you really, to get the gospel accurately, you have to let people know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That's certainly knowing something about him. That's sort of coming to start to 
have a relationship with him at a very rudimentary level. level. He's my savior. And all that that ultimately means, right? That, yeah, I, I deserve to be under the wrath of God. And yet this person, Jesus Christ, died for me so that I would no longer be under the wrath of God. Oh, I get to know something about him. So do believers know Jesus Christ? Absolutely. They have to know what God, and believe what God has told them about his son. The things that they must believe in order to be saved, that Jesus is human and Jesus is God, that he died on the cross and was buried and was raised from the dead, that he died for them. Yeah, they have to know, they have to know Jesus Christ to a certain extent. Okay. So, on the right-hand side, do believers know God? Yeah, a little bit. Do they know Jesus Christ? Yep. What does that equal? Eternal life. All right. I know this is simple. So again, believe, if believers have eternal life, they know the one true God, they know Jesus Christ, that equals eternal life. Believers have it. Have it. Not will have it in the future. Have it now. Eternal life is the present possession of each and every believer. As a matter of fact, you can make a good case that that's the simplest definition of a believer. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to have eternal life. Because no Christian doesn't, has it. I mean, no unbeliever has eternal life. And every believer has eternal life. So a very simple, actually, definition of a Christian is somebody who has eternal life who already has it. And, of course, that ought to make a difference in our daily lives, right? That ought to, that ought to um, give us, a, give us a, a reason to get up in the morning. You have a life now. It came from Jesus Christ. It's your present possession. It's not something that you have to wait in order to, for dying. Look at, let's go back to John 17. Are you there already? Or I bring you somewhere else. I, I'm getting old. John 17, 1. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come to me to die. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh. Now, Jesus Christ has authority over all flesh. Jesus Christ one day will be revealed as having authority over every created thing. And yet here... There's a very specific reason stated as to why God the Father gave Jesus authority over all flesh. Why? That to all you have given him, he may give eternal life. In other words, eternal life is a gift. It's a gift. From who? What Jesus Christ. God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And does... Do you think God has integrity? Do you think you can rely on what he says? Is he going is he, is he to promise you something and then not deliver it? No. If he says you have eternal life and it's a gift, that means you got it forever. Forever. I say that because it's important to know that, by the way. I mean, how, what kind of confidence and hope can a Christian have if they think that eternal life could be taken away from them? And, and unfortunately, though, 
Too many Christians believe that. They think that there's something they could do in the future that would cause them to forfeit eternal life. They may not put it that way, but, but lose their salvation. If I sin in a certain way, I lose my salvation. A lot of, there's a lie to that. Or, or the subtle lie, by the way, of Calvinism, which says if you don't persevere in all the ways that I'm going to tell you you have to, guess what? You get to the end, you're out of luck because you never had it. That's even worse. <laughs> you know, it's even worse to go through your whole life, you know, wondering, do I have eternal life or not? Will I keep it or not? Will I go to heaven or not? Why? Because somebody told you that there's, thing, there's something that you have to do. You have to persevere. And we're watching you. You know, the, the, these, these people, Calvinists watch people to say, I wonder, do they have it or not? You know, are they loving enough? Have they, they come to church enough to prove that they have it? See, that's even worse. It's even worse. I mean, there's some churches that say you can lose it. But, but, but to say that you'll never know you have it, <laughs> even worse. How can you have hope and confidence and feel like you're at peace with God? Which, by the way, you are. How can you believe that your sins are forgiven if you think you may not even be a Christian? Right? I'm just saying that because there's a, you know, we have to be aware, you know, of all the lies that are being told to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And how precious, I know this is simple this morning. It's really straightforward, you know. It's block and tackle, if you will, because it's Super Bowl Sunday, I'll put it that way. It's the simple stuff, right? It's a gift. And it's a gift, and it's a gift that Jesus Christ gives everyone who believes in him. And God's not going to take it away. Look at John chapter 10, verse 26. John 10, 26. Of course, we were here. This is the great chapter about the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives up his life for his flock. Verse 26 of John 10. But you do not believe. Notice the issue is believing. Because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I what? Know them and they follow me. Can you see how that's a relationship, by the way? Right? So you hear the voice. You know, I guess what? You hear the voice and you know, it's not me. You hear the voice because of the word of God. The word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. By the way, do you think that just means they know he knows facts about you? You know, I I know Calvin. He's I think he's six foot seven, right? Is that how he's? And uh, or whatever, right? Facts about him. He wears blue a lot. He's a North Carolina fan. I think that's what he means here. No, he means he knows. Like David said, he knows all about me. He knows every thought that I have. He knows all the all the secrets I'm trying to keep from other people, maybe. He knows, he knows all the things I did in my past. And you know what? He knows all the things I'm going to do in my future that ain't so great either, that are also sins. And, and even that, all of that, he's my good shepherd, always will be. He's going to give me every good thing. And he died for me, knowing all of that about me. He knows us, and they follow him. And notice verse 28. I give, it's a gift, what? Eternal life to them. It's a gift. He already said in 10, John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have life, the possession. Have it abundantly, you grow. 
Okay? Here he's saying they have eternal life. They will never perish. And what's the next two words, three words? And no one, no one, nothing present, no things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will ever come between you and the love of God in Christ Jesus. No one will snatch him out of my hand. But back to block and tackle. When does a person receive this gift? This is important. Yeah. person receives the gift of eternal life when at the moment he believes or she in Jesus Christ. Now, I know, yeah, 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 I know that. Okay, fine. But, but if you understand, the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you've been given this incredible life and you can't lose it and you can grow in it, you see? Then, then that means that from there forward, I can live in it. That's why I'm taking this one step at a time this morning. Look at, look at John chapter, let me, let me see, do I have that? Yeah, look at John chapter 5, verse 24. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he, here's my word, here's the gospel, and believes him who sent me, he believes God the Father and what God has told us about Jesus Christ has eternal life and does not come into, does not come in. This is you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have it. You'll never come into judgment. And indeed, you have passed out of death into life. Now, have you ever been dead physically? No, right? So therefore, if the death isn't physical, guess what? Neither is the life. No, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And God made you alive. Why am I laboring at this? Why have I taken this one step at a time? What conclusion can you reach? Very simple. I'm repeating myself. But we believers have eternal life now. Eternal life is our present possession. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to receive it or live in it. As believers in Christ, we've already received eternal life. But there's one more thing, and I want you to hold on to your hats. Please turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. This next part is really mind-blowing, at least for me. Okay, Whenever I think about this and go through this and I get to this point, I get really excited. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Colossians 1.9. Now, who's Paul writing to the Colossian church? He's writing to a, a congregation of believers. What does he say? For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, notice, that you may be what? Filled with the knowledge of his will. So in other words, you can grow in the knowledge of God's will for you that they may be filled up with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in all understanding, that they may come to know him better so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, 
bearing fruit in every good work and, notice this part, increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, of course, verse 10 also tells us, you know, how, how it is that we, what we experience more eternal life. We'll get to that next week. Okay, it has to do with our walk. But here's a simple question. Can we now grow in our knowledge of the one true God? Can we grow in it? Yes, we can. Look at Colossians 2, verses 1 to 3. Just go forward. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that your hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. What's he saying? He's saying you can attain to more and more wealth, and that's Christ himself. It's a true knowledge of God's mystery. And, and you can come to a fuller and fuller assurance of understanding that. And in fact, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And now because knowing Jesus Christ is eternal life, can we grow here? Does it say we can grow in the knowledge of the one true God? Yes. Can, can we also grow here in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Yes. As a matter of fact, Peter uses those exact words, doesn't he, in 2 Peter 3.18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, in Philippians, Paul says that I'm... In fact, go to Philippians 3.10 as we, as we wrap things up. I want you to see this. Knowing God and Jesus Christ is eternal life. We have it. And we can grow in it. Notice, we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We grow in the knowledge of God the Father. Look at how Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may come to know him. Paul was, a, was a, an apostle for over 20 years by the time that he writes this. And he says what? I'm still coming to know him. Isn't that exciting? Why? Because knowing him is eternal life. If he's still coming to know him, that means he's growing in eternal life now in time. That I may come to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want you to think about these are all parts of the garden, right? I can go there and understand more of the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I can, ha I can actually understand more and more about his sufferings. I can be conformed to his death. You have died and your life is hidden in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead ones. I can attain more eternal life in time. Eternal life being equals knowing God and Jesus Christ. And since we can grow in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, what does that mean? It follows that we can grow in eternal life now during our lives on earth. By the way, this is confirmed as well in the epistles, and it's fantastic. Eternal life is a new kind of life, remember. It's a new quality of life. Jesus came that we may have an abundant life of this kind of life. And that's John 10.10. 10. 
We already have it. But, the, but in addition to the Bible saying that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Bible says something else. And this is where we're going to close. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. So we're going to end. We're back to the left side of the equation. We can grow in knowledge. That means we can grow in eternal life. But does the Bible say that? You bet it does. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. There's something you can do that gets you there. Well, notice, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So some, it's, it's a gift. I already have it. And yet I can take hold of it. You see, I can, I can grab it and learn in it and grow in it. And this is absolutely tremendous. We can grow in our capacity to live eternal life. We have it. We can take hold of it. We can live in eternal life. We can reap it. It says we can sow to the Spirit and reap more eternal life. We can grow with respect to eternal life. We can experience more and more eternal life now as we're still in these mortal bodies. We can grow in our capacity to live an eternal life now. Wow. Next time we're going to learn how. All right. I'll give you a little hints of it this morning. We're going to learn how is it that we can do that. How do we take hold of eternal life? How do I grow in my capacity to live an eternal life now? And that's where I'll leave things because we're going to come back next week and answer that question. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again this morning for having your word be so crystal clear about these marvelous things. We ask now, Father, that we would take this and may it may it stir in our hearts a curiosity, a desire, a longing to know more about who you are, to know more about your son, Jesus Christ, and therefore to live more and more in that life you've already given us, eternal life. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We do have a Bible study every Thursday. You're welcome to join us. It's here at 630. It's also on Skype, and you can find out all about that on our website if you need to. Um, I already preached the gospel a couple of times, but I'm going to preach it again, right? Practice, practice, practice. I'll guarantee you, guarantee you, that you'll come across somebody, maybe, I pray you all do this week, unbeliever, and you'll be excited and nervous and anxious, and you'll be sitting there and you'll say, what am I supposed to tell them? This is what you're supposed to tell them, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, that he died for your sins, was buried, and was raised from the dead. And by simply believing in him, you'll never perish but have eternal life. That's what you tell him. And now you know a little bit more about what eternal life is. You're starting to know a little bit more. You probably have read this before, but just to lay this all out. So when they ask you, what is eternal life? Now you've got an answer. What is eternal life? Whom he has sent. Okay, let's close again. Father, we thank you once again. For all your good gifts, we thank you, Father, that you have, we are able to step into this eternal life that you've given us now. And we can come to know you better and better. And your son, 
We thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Enjoy this day. Don't have too many chicken wings or whatever it is you have. It's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs>